Welcome to episode five of the Ginger Bets Be Good Golf Podcast. This week we'll be covering the TPC River Highlands Golf Course that is hosting the Travelers Championship in Cromwell, Connecticut, United States. So this follows on from uh, Gary Woodland's magnificent win in the US Open last week and uh, congratulations to those people who were successful in picking him out maybe at uh, the pre-tournament stage or perhaps throughout the tournament um, as any bets on him from the 36 hole stage onwards uh, looked pretty safe. Um, he didn't really show any signs of nerves going down the stretch um, when any pressure was on him. Uh, I thought he produced some excellent shots. Uh, players that uh, talked about for having uh, unbelievable patience, ball striking ability, um, understanding the moment, people like Justin Rose tamely faded away uh, to finish six shots behind Gary Woodland, uh, having been within one one of him at many stages uh, on, on day four of, of the US Open. So massive congratulations to, to Gary Woodland. He uh, is, is one of my favourite golfers. Uh, I love his demeanour on the course. And, and I quite liked watching his uh, progression from sort of 10 years ago when he was known as uh, just a driver of the ball, essentially huge off the tee, uh, but had no other you know, no other skill sets that were at elite level. And, um, you know, it's, it's fantastic to see him improve his game year on year, uh, establish himself in that upper echelon of, of, of players. And, you know, he's, he's a Ryder Cupper in the making. And he showed that when, when the pressure's on, his ball striking remains, which, uh, and he doesn't bail out of shots. And the chip on 17, I think, showed that his touch um, under, under pressure is also something that he's going to be able to rely on going forward. So positive signs for him. I expect him to go and close out another major in his career for sure. Obviously, that'll span over the next 10 years, but I'm I'm pretty confident you'll see him in in, um, in the top five and 10 for, for many other majors in the, in the nearer future. So congratulations to him. And uh, let's move forward and look at this week's Travelers Championship where we have Brooks Kepka heading the field at eight to one with many of the bookmakers and available at nine to one on the betting exchanges in the UK. The players this week face a different style course to what has become tradition on the PGA Tour. This is a sub 7,000 yard course, par 70, over in uh, Connecticut, on the east coast of the United States, uh, just outside of New York. Weather for the week uh, doesn't look great. Uh, we're due rain tomorrow on Thursday, the starting day for the tournament. Um, with the weather picking up towards uh, the back end, uh, Friday is looking like it will be dry with some mild breezes, slightly uh, more breeze than there will be on the Thursday. And then moving towards the weekend, we're expecting cold uh, conditions, 15, 16 degrees, with gentle breezes uh, across the board. So one thing that I, I did make note of as the weather has changed uh, throughout the last few days over in the United States is that weather, the rain is, is looking like a, a probable outcome tomorrow at some point for all players on the course. So for those that are playing DFS and for those that are looking to narrow down selections it may be worth considering if you have access to such information which players have traditionally uh, performed okay in in blustery or wet conditions um, because it looks like it looks like there will be seeing rain tomorrow uh, on day one of the travelers championship the course itself is a par 70 uh, as I stated under 7,000 yards and it, it, it starts off as an easy course for the players traditionally now with some of the easiest scoring holes on the front nine. But what is important to note that three of the hardest six holes are 16, 17 and 18. That's the par 3 16th that plays circa 160 to 180 yards on the card that's uh, averaged over par. Traditionally, 17, which is a short par 4, but as ranked as the second hardest, uh, <laughs> second hardest hole on the course. 
and 18, which is another short par 4 coming at 440 yards, again has traditionally played over par, where if we were to look at the start of, co of the course, holes 1, 2, 3 and 4 ha have all played under par traditionally. So, it's going to take a player that has closing skills to get this one over the line. Uh, not necessarily a bomber off the tee. Uh, some of the data that uh, we've been reviewing this week demonstrates that it's one of the only, if not one of the strongest trend courses for strokes gained and distance off the tee not to have an impact on the overall performance. So what does that tell us? It tells us that Shorter players this week, ball strikers and great iron players are definitely in with a chance. And that's something that when I've been looking through the selections and what we'll come on later to in this episode, uh, I've played key consideration to. And you'll see that in the staking plan and the selections that we have gone with. So it is definitely worth bearing in mind a couple of factors that the weather won't be so great. It will be cold. It will be wet on day one. Um, the course itself hasn't traditionally needed you to be a long player although Bubba, Bubba Watson has won three times here and 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 hits it you know arguably the uh, greatest driver distance wise on the tour apart from Cameron Champ now um, other players that are short hitters have won going back to Kevin Streelman um, who you know who's had a you know had fantastic uh, form here uh, typically short off the tee, a good iron player and just a, a, you know an average putter. So they're the types of players that maybe uh, will be more will be considered more than they have done in uh, they would be maybe at a US Open or a PGA event at Beth Page for example. So what I'm going to do now is going to get into a market review, my thoughts on you know how the market's got it, where there's some potential upside, and then we're going to come on to talk about some DraftKings selections, some players to avoid potentially if you want to take down the big uh, GPP tournaments and some players that may go under the radar that might help you win one of the big 10, 20,000 entrant tournaments that, uh, that are there on DraftKings. And if you haven't got a DraftKings account, then you should be signing up. It's great fun to play alone for very small stakes. And it's also awesome to play in groups of friends if you do uh, do such things outside of um, outside of using DraftKings, then DraftKings is a great tool to facilitate, manage the money, make reg, you know, consistent rules. If people don't uh, submit teams, all those things are covered for you. So DraftKings is an awesome tool, and I encourage you to to look out for that uh, if you haven't already done so. So without uh, keeping you waiting any longer, let's get into the market review and some of those uh, selections and DraftKings thoughts. What type of player do I think will win this week and what will I be looking for when going through the data models that we have available to us? The stats that I'm most interested in this week, uh, I believe it's going to be a birdie fest. The numbers tell us that uh, when looking back at historic data. And, you know, I'd imagine minus 16 to minus 24 uh, to par is going to be the... Uh, is going to be the the winning score. So we need players that are making between five and eight birdies around, I believe. Uh, if you're not doing that, the odd mistake will creep in on the card, and it's going to be very difficult come the end of the week to to be singing from the top of the tree. Um, so some of the stats that I think may go underrated this week are things such as good long-term scrambling statistics, um, good strokes gained around the green statistics, Inevitably, um, you're going to go backwards this week if you lose a stroke and give away a stroke. You know, pars aren't going to, you know, aren't going to help your case for winning, but they're not going to have a detrimental effect that bogeys will have when other players are making birdies right next to you on the course. So, I want to see good all-round short game. I want to see good long-term scrambling statistics. I want to see good strokes gained around the st uh, green statistics. Definitely, most recently. I want players in form coming into this tournament. Maybe not that they've been such good form that they were competing in last week's US Open because last uh, the trends tell us that 
being in the top five or ten of the US Open, maybe in the last five or six groups uh, of day four, uh, don't bode well for performance the next week. And this tournament has come after that US Open uh, traditionally. So, and then I want to look at Pete Dye, proven course performers. You know, he his courses are often shorter, require precision iron play. Players tend to uh, have track records if they perform on one to perform on the others that he's had um, a role in designing. And the the key stats for me are, you know, I want to see players that are proven on his course, not just once, not just twice, but numerous times. I want to see players that are going to score plenty of birdies, you know, par four birdie performance or better. The par fours are what's historically won or lost this tournament, your performance on them. So I want to see players that, you know, are really lighting it up in that par four birdie or better category. And also on birdie conversions, because this week, like I said before, it's, you know, you don't want to be going backwards, but you certainly uh, want to be trying to move forward. And those that take um, take grasp of the opportunities presented themselves there with good iron play, then, you know, we need to see them moving up the leaderboard, certainly to get the place payouts and potentially even get that elusive winner. So just to round off the stats that I'm looking at this week, strokes gained around the green, good long-term scrambling, all-round short game, players in form, probably not in the top five or six of the US Open. And, you know, whether that rules Brooks Kepka out as a bet, I don't know. He's definitely the most likely to go on and win this week if his game um, follows through from where he was last week and the rhythm remains. He's not going to be out of the places. But at 8-1, to one, you know, he is very short in the betting. And he's... He's not performed as well in the mediocre PGA Tour events as he has in the big majors where the field's deeper, the course is harder, um, but the pressure and the reward for winning is greater. And I think that's where Brooks sets himself apart from players in the field, uh, such as Jason Day, who, in my opinion, has as much talent. Uh, his all-ground game has been awesome for five or six years, but you know he's still only got that one major and you look at someone like Kepka, uh, who in that period of time has gone on to claim four and come second twice. Like, it's phenomenal, really, when we think about it. So moving on to this market and uh, looking at those priced under 25 to 1. And my, my thoughts on Kepka are this week that if he plays well, then obviously he goes close. And that goes without saying he's the best player in the world right now. Nobody is touching him uh, for consistency and performance. Um, but at seven and eight to one, um, and knowing the fact that you know he's he's had a tough week last week. Traditionally, people don't back his up, and the fact that he um, he does only have two um, wins to his name in the actual PGA Tour events, then I'm happy to kind of let him go. I think at at that price, I'm sure he'll make many DraftKings lineups um, of mine, but as an outright selection this week to win, I'm, I think I'm going to be happy to pass him over. And the same will be said for Patrick Cantlay, who, excuse me, just a, a sip of coffee there, um, who will be, he'll be coming off um, a tough week last week, where I think he went into the US Open with huge expectations to perform uh, and didn't quite meet them, um, coming off a, a victory uh, two weeks prior. Um I'm expecting him to be tired, fatigued. Um, it's not the a course that traditionally re renowns pure ball strikers, uh, which is his strength. Um, I think he leads um, the stats, actually, on, on those types of uh, categories. So he's, uh, he's someone that, you know, I, I expect him to be high up on the leaderboard because of his quality, but I'm happy to pass over at 10 to 1. Um, He's followed in the market by Jordan Spieth at 16 to 1, Justin Thomas available at 20 to 1, and Paul Casey available at 20 to 1. Now, Paul Casey is available at 12 to 1 with some bookmakers in the UK. Like, obviously, this is a very logical way to look at things, and um, as, as you dive into the data more, then it might not play out this way. 
But for those people that are just thinking, you know, I want to have a bet at the top of the market. I want people that uh, I, I, that I feel can win the tournament. Um, I want them to be there and thereabouts on Sunday. Then if you were to look at these three, then there's just one standout pick. And it isn't Paul Casey. And it definitely isn't Jordan Spieth. Like Jordan Spieth, he had three top tens coming into the week, uh, the US Open. Everyone talking that his form's returning, that he's that he's getting his game back, that his putting's now back to where it was. If he gets his wedge play and iron play back, then he's going to be winning tournaments again. The reality, he's still spraying it off the tee. His putting's still mediocre. His game hasn't shown four rounds of consistency or eight rounds of consistency, so like two really solid weeks without a win. I'm just saying a top three and a top four. Um hasn't shown that for like two years. The stats don't put him anywhere near the top in any of the models. Um, apart from scrambling, maybe, which tells you that he's having to scramble like hell. He's just not a bet at 14 to 1 with some bookmakers in the UK. He's available at probably 20 to 1 on the betting exchanges. Um, 26 to 1, like on the betting exchanges, we're in, available in the UK, not so in America. Uh, and other parts of the world, but twenty six to one is definitely a more accurate reflection of his chances than the twelve fourteen and sixteen to one with the high street bookmakers uh, and that 's something that we should always note you know the exchanges in general um, are are producing a more uh, accurate reflection of uh, the chance of a player winning than what a sports book will but we 'll come on to that more in uh, in other episodes um, it 's just not a bet. Justin Thomas at 20 to 1, I feel, is a bet. And he's available at 20 to 1 with two or three companies in the UK. He's 18 to 1 across the board uh, with seven and eight places available. He would be the sensible pick for me if I had to play one at the sub 20 to 1 price range. He would be my pick. Why? Because his iron play when on song is better than anyone else's in the world. Like anyone earlier on in the season when he had irons in his hands going back to the Safeway Open and a few of the tournaments uh, that, at that time of the year January February um, like he stood over the ball and he expected to hit it to a foot maybe two or three foot if he didn't hit it to within five foot he was visibly annoyed at himself and if he can get back to that stage of control um, over his iron play then that will make up for the slight deficits in his game off the tee, which I don't think is the strongest. His short game's incredible. He's putting, you know, putting comes and goes with PGA Tour players, but he's definitely not a bad putter. I'd just put him in that streaky category um, that all players kind of sit in, other than your Jason Days, your Ricky Fowlers, uh, your Aaron Badleys. You know, apart from those types of player that, you know, every player in the PGA Tour goes through streaks with their putter. And Justin Thomas is no different. So if I was having to play one at the sub-25 or sub-20 to 1 category, you know, he'd be my favourite uh, pick. And uh, I think uh, logically he'll be the one that gets lots of support um, coming close to the off. There are lots of world-class players at the 25 to 1 and above range. So I'm going to pick out a few that I feel uh, could be supported and a few players that um, I won't be supporting and give you some reasons as to, as to why. So if we look at the players that I will be against in this uh, price range this week, players such as Tommy Fleetwood. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood, why am I against him? I just don't feel that he's had his A game all summer. Um, I don't feel that since the start of January, he's performed to the level that he expected to in 2019. I think he's driving slightly off. I think his iron game slightly off. I think his all-round game is just slightly off. I'm only talking fractions, but the accumulation of those fractions across all facets of his game are meaning that He's not even getting in the top 10, top 20 regularly at this moment in time. So while he's still chasing his first PGA Tour win at 33-1, to 1, I'm happy to let him go. Jason Day, 
available at 22 to 1 and 25 to 1 on the betting exchanges is somebody who I'd be more likely to make a pick at. Reasons being that he's had a change in uh, his caddy recently. Um, I feel that he'll want to get that relationship off to a good start. Um, people like Bubba Watson have won here previously who are slightly erratic but long off the tee. They have great... Uh, great imagination around the greens um and the solid putters when they're on when they're on far, uh, on form and Jason Day is one of the best putters in the world his strokes uh gained around the green scrambling stats um sandstave stats will be amongst the best in the world um so he fits the profile of the type of player that I'm looking for this week um just added to the fact that he do does have that caddy change I feel that this week at twenty two to one and twenty five to one on the exchanges, he is more of a bet than he has been previously, and I wouldn't put anyone off backing him. Bubba Watson, it goes without saying, is a three time winner at this course. So you know who am I to say that uh, you shouldn't be backing him this week? I personally won't be. I want to see a little bit more from his game. Um, but one of the things to note with Bubba, he's a repeat offender. Uh, you know, when he goes to a course, he likes to go back and win once. Not once, but twice, should I say. And in this occasion, three times. I'm sure he'll be wishing to put a third green jacket to his name uh, in 2020. And I think he will do before his career's out. I think that course suits him so well. And I think clearly this course is one that he um, he, he likes, it, likes a lot. So, you know, at the 33-1... At the to 1, um, bracket he is is certainly someone that would uh will get plenty of attention and certainly will be considering my betting thoughts come the end of the end of play today um another one in this category who i feel is completely overbet and overrated is tony finnow now like tommy fleetwood he's still chasing his first pga tour win that's a lie he's not <laughs> he's he's got one under his belt but my the reason that came out like it did is i feel like he's still chasing his win he got his win early he was meant to kick on and he was up the top of many leaderboards and certainly in the majors in 2017 18 um and that and that created this impact where a player that had won once on tour was suddenly 33 and 40 to 1 but he was never getting over the line. Uh, and now his game's regressed since that incident at Augusta uh, some 18 months ago now. His game has regressed ever since that point, more or less. And I don't see signs that he's, that he's at the top of his game uh, right now. So he's one that I can easily pass over. It wouldn't surprise me. He went off 80, 90 to 1 last week for the US Open. When he gets out to that price in a regular PGA Tour event where it's a big field, which will happen later down the line if he's to make the FedEx Cup playoffs, then I feel that he's a player that could strike a, a, a double his, his price that has been for six months consistently where he was 25 to 40 to 1. And completely overbet in DraftKings. I mean, every week he would be in DraftKings teams. Um, he'd have 18, 19, 20% ownership in some of the larger uh, tournaments. Other players in this bracket, Bryson DeChambeau, Louis Ustays and Mark Leishman. Um, so Bryson, I'm just happy to, to pass over at this stage uh, of the season and the reasons why all of the interviews that I've listened to on Bryson he talks about he's still working on his game he's working on his driver he's working on a draw feel that he had this time last year uh, going into a birdie fest going into a very competitive heat where you're going to have to score low numbers that they are not the comments that I'd want to be hearing about uh, about the game the state of his game so at this moment in time, again, he, he he's like he fits in that. He's a better golfer than Tony Finau, in my opinion, a far better golfer. But he is over bet, and until I see him come back to that forty to fifty to one bracket, I'm happy to I'm happy to pass him over at thirty threes and twenty eight to one. Mark Leishman will be popular. 
uh, and rightly so. He's a golfer that I love. Uh, going back to the 2017 Masters where he hit a massive slinging draw round the trees on a par 5 for an eagle putt. When he didn't have to, he could have played safe. The majority of the field would have done at that time. He took a huge risk. Uh, it paid off. He made the birdie. Um, uh, made the eagle, should I say. And... Uh, you know, put himself in contention to win the biggest tournament in golf. Uh, whether it's the big, the biggest, it's the one that they all want. And um, you know, he, what I liked about that is when he showed and he's demonstrated loads of times that he can go low, but he plays the shots that are required, uh, that are demanded by the position of the hole. And when I think of winners and I think of big tournament winners and players that have the um instinct and potential to go on and win numerous golf tournaments they are things that i think are crucial um now the statistic models that you can all run that anybody can run and all the statistical data that i collate at ginger bets for the golf um it doesn't tell you um the key metrics of did he hit the correct shot at the right time and by that if you listen to interviews of tiger woods going back over the years and all golfers that have reached the pinnacle of the game, they talk about hitting the correct shot when the hole demands it. So if you have a go-to shot and you're playing your go-to shot, whether that be a baby fade, a little low stinger off the tee, if, the, if you're trying to force your go-to shot upon the hole, when it comes to the back nine, the crunch time of a huge tournament, eventually that will catch up with you. You know, there's certain players that have done it and will continue to only play their go-to shots, I feel. Um, like, a good example would be Alex Noren. He hits a fade. If you ever watch him work on the driving range, he hits a fade like an exaggerated fade. Um, and when it comes to crunch times, and uh, he will back his fade to, to be his go-to shot. And I totally understand. But you even see with people like noticed it lots since um since pro trace has come in on the uh sky sports coverage with brooks kepka everyone talks about his natural fade but he's often hitting draws into pins lots of the time he's hit and par threes where uh demanding ones where you think you'd go to your go-to shot he hits the shot that the golf course demands he might not execute it fully, but when he doesn't execute these shots fully, your punishment usually is you just need to then play one more good golf shot to remain at par. Where if you choose to play your go-to shots, but the course isn't allowing, the course is saying to you you shouldn't be doing this, then when that goes wrong, that's when you end up with the bogeys on the card. That's something that Mark Leishman doesn't do. He has the confidence to play the shot that the hole requires, and I like that. So he's a, and his stats are good. He's a streaky putter, but who isn't on the PGA Tour? I think apart from players such as Ricky Fowler, Aaron Baddeley, Jason Day, uh, maybe Brooks at the moment. Apart from those, you know, really elite putters. You know, every player on the PGA Tour uh, putting performance fluctuates somewhat, and if they were to all put to their best each week, they'd probably be winning that tournament. So, yeah, Mark Leishman would be someone that I'd be really keen on this week um, so, uh, in that 25-1 to 1 bracket uh, to 50-1. to 1. Players that I'm not so keen on. I'm not keen on Tommy Fleetwood. I'm not keen on Tony Finner. Uh, I'm not keen on Louis Eustazen. So, as we move to the 50-1 to 1 and above bracket, uh, here we've got, uh, we've got the majority of the field um, that, that, that sits in this space. So... I'm going to pick out a few. Phil Mickelson's available at 60-1 to 1 this week. Uh, it's a course that demands birdies. It's a course where going low is a must. And that is everything that Phil likes. However, I feel that his aggression off the tee, his aggression towards the game at the moment, he seems to be very interested in his social media presence and how uh, his image is in the game. Um talking about how far he hit it last week and how his bombs are working he's got a bomb driver and a work it driver like if i'm being honest i'm not a fan of phil i i, I think he's a myth i think he's one of those people that the media try and uh, keep on side but i don't think he's a good person i don't think he comes across as uh, I, I, 
I don't think he comes across that well. In fact, I dislike him. Uh, so sorry, Phil, if you're listening. Um, I'm sure you're not. Um, but uh, at 60-1, to 1, I'm happy to pass over him this week, albeit I can see the reason for many people being interested. Uh, definitely on a DraftKings lineup, uh, I expect him to make the cut and expect him to be scoring plenty of birdies. So, you know, that is an area I would consider him. But for an outright pick, he won't be for me. Um, Emiliano Grillo, as regular listeners will know, regular readers of gingerbets.com will know, and regular readers of any other content that I've produced that's out there will know, Emiliano Grillo is my love child. Like, I just adore him. Um, his game's just everything that I, he's just everything that I would want to have in my golf game, and certainly don't have in my golf game, but last week up until the third round he was leading the field in strokes gained on approach um gaining nearly two and two and a half strokes per round up until that stage of the tournament and i feel that this week going into a tournament that uh, will demand an accurate iron play and when i've looked at previous winners they all have that trait in common they're all creative where their irons have the ability to move the ball probably both or not probably do have the ability to move the ball excuse me both ways um and he um he's a player that when his putter just stays level to what the standard is that week on the pga tour i expect him to be going close so i'm happy to go in again on emiliano this week um i feel that he's a high quality player who has the ability to shoot a 62 63 and in events like that i feel that that's like this i feel that's extremely important attribute to have uh, you know, you can't play well for four rounds consistently. You're going to have nine holes within those four rounds, even the winners each week, where their game is just slightly off um, off kilter. And how you can make up for that is having a player that when they're hot, so the other hand, when they're really firing, their momentum and the way that they approach the game is to just dial in at pins, hit it to two foot, put it and walk on. And... He is one of the one of the players that fits that mold that can shoot sixty three sixty four make up half a round on the field out of nowhere and put himself in contention. Other players in this bracket that are going to sure to cause uh or not to cause but are sure to gain plenty of um uh, tip it, tips over the course of the next few days um and uh, airtime I guess on on the media presence are. Kevin Streelman and Kevin Kisner. Uh, Kevin Kisner, a Pete Dye specialist, and Kevin Streelman, a former winner around here, and are both available at eighty to one plus. I think a hundred and ten to one on the exchanges. Kevin Kisner. Um, I can see that being very tempting for lots of players, and I understand why. And the, you know, Kevin Kisner is one of those players that I think, when um, when the course suits him and the conditions allow, he will. Um, he will show up uh, and give his ultimate best. Like he isn't half-hearted when when the conditions are in his favour. If you've ever follow him on social media, media and follow any of the clan that he's win with Barstool Sports, amazing to listen to. He gives some interesting insights on uh, into his actual personality, um, and his his off-course demeanour is so different to his on-course demeanour. Like when you watch him on course on the PGA Tour. He looks like the person you'd least want to have a round with, least want to have a beer with, least even be in the in the peripheral vision of, to be honest. Um, but then when you see him off camera, off, 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 you know, off the course, what fantastic insight you get into his personality. Like he's a beer drinking lout that loves it, that just uh, understands the strengths of his game, understands his weaknesses. Um, yeah, he's just a really good guy. So. Um, I I I'll be considering him closely this week because of he's got he's got great uh, form uh, and historic form on Pete Dye courses. Um, he's a player on the sub seven thousand yard courses and par seventies that he excels. Um, yeah, really happy to consider him this week, and I I would encourage viewers to do so. Jason Cockcraft, another that's uh, in the fifty to one plus range. Let me tell you, with Jason Cockcraft, he went off shorter at Bethpage Black to win his maiden PGA Tour event, being a major, than he is this week. Like, 
is easily passed over for me. The level required to win um, on the PGA Tour means you have to be like elite in certain categories. And I just don't think that he's got an elite game anywhere. Um, I think he's an awesome golfer, don't get me wrong. Looking plays on the PGA Tour, making more money than I could ever dream of. But, you know, I- I'm here to look at his data, his performance, and decide whether I'd back him or not. And quite frankly, you know, he's just overbetting the market. He's uh, he's still chasing his first win, and he's going off shorter than 10 to 20 players that have got two and three victories under the under their belt sure to be popular again in this price range uh he is but uh he's not for me and i can happily pass over previous winner russell knox will also have uh many followers this week his game's just not been on song for me uh going back when i look at russell knox and think of when i've backed him uh at the best periods of his career he's shown absolute consistency and that's something that i'm just not seeing Ever since him not making the Ryder Cup team when I feel that he was in the form to make it and could have easily been a selection, I think that his game's gone uh, gone downhill and until I see signs that um, he could actually win, I don't want to back him at, at, at 66 to 1 for a place when I feel there are better options maybe at, at bigger prices uh, that have more upside in winning and more reward in getting that place in terms of payout. So uh, that would be my, my overview of, of the 50-1 to 1, uh, range. There's other players in here that I haven't talked about, Adam Hadwin, Ches Reavy, Keegan Bra- Bradley. Um, these are players that are probably more likely to feature in my DraftKings lineup than, than outright picks. Um, Adam Hadwin's a player that I've had on my radar for a couple of years. Uh, his ball striking is phenomenal. And when he's on, he he really is on. But again, he's just his consistency levels have fallen the last twelve months. Great to see Ches Reavy last week perform well, um, in the U.S. Open. But um, historically speaking, players haven't backed that up the following week. So, you know, having said that, Ches is in the top five on my data model for players' performance at the four hundred to four hundred and fifty yard par four range, which is gonna produce i think around 10 to 10 12 holes this week um and his form is obviously good so that's why i'll be considering for DraftKings lineups but for that outright pick i just can't push the button i don't think um so that brings me to the 100 to 1 bracket and the 100 to 1 plus bracket is where we are chasing dreams and chasing you know (laughs) chasing what you know it's a life changer, really, uh, depending on your stakes uh, for the golf. But, you know, a fifth of the odds and 25 to 1 minimum, 20 to 1 minimum, should I say, for a place payout for a player at 100 to 1, you know, it's something that we should consider. Um, I'm going to pick out a few names here that I feel um, will be worth consideration. Chesson Hadley played really well last week. Uh, I want players that are in form coming into the week. Um, and he fits that criteria perfectly. Um, he performed admirably against Kucha in the final two rounds of the US Open. Um, he does have an ability to go low, low. He's high up on the birdie scoring stats models that you can run. And at 125 to 1... Um, you know, it wouldn't surprise me whether to finish in the top ten at a payout of twenty five to one. Um, you know, you're getting the same odds on on um on him finishing the top ten as you are Paul Casey winning. You know, which I know which I'd be choosing. Abraham Hanser, I'm de- uh, I'm definitely keen on him this week. He will be making plenty of my DraftKings lineups. Why? Uh, his form. Last week was good. He's a player that uh, twelve months ago, when he came onto the scene, you know there was a lot of uh, talk about him. His price was getting falsely driven down. He's now slipping back out to that hundred and fifty, two hundred to one mark on the exchanges uh, for a win, and um, one hundred twenty-five, hundred and fifty to one for a uh, on the sports books. And I think that that's a price that uh, is more acceptable. Um, Pebble was a much tougher course than what we're going to face this week for approach play, and his stats on approach last, light were all, last week were awesome. 
Um, if he's able to get the putter back up to speed where he lost about seven or eight strokes to the field last week, then I feel that uh, I feel that he could he could certainly push for a place. And the upside with Answer is that he is a birdie maker. He is aggressive. He does have that mentality that I feel if he does get in the mix, he won't be protecting his score or his position or looking for them financial rewards that the difference between a second and fifth place can make. I feel he'll be going all out for the win. So he's a player that uh, that I'm keen to to keep on side. Uh, two more mentions at this bracket, um, Austin Cook and Kyle Stanley. Uh, I should say there's actually one more after that because he's a player that I've tipped, so I'll save him for last. Uh, he's definitely making my uh, he's definitely making my portfolio of bets, and he's definitely going to be making plenty of DraftKings. So I'll save that one for last. But what I have here now uh, is Kyle Stanley, hundred and fifty to one, and probably two hundred and fifty to one on the exchanges in the UK. His ball striking is phenomenal. Uh, his ability to uh, to 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 take courses apart uh, is there, and he's done so numerous times. His putting lets him down, um, and it's been it, it's going to cause him more problems going forward. What I don't think's in Kyle Stanley's favour this week is the fact that the course isn't a demanding ball striking test. Um, Yes, you've got to be creative with your irons and have full control of your ball, but the overall test doesn't scream ball striking demanding. And that's the type of course where I feel Kyle Stanley uh, can perform maybe at um, level or just even sub-level to par uh, with his putting uh, performance against the, the rest of the field. But he'll make up for it in all other facets of his game. So I think this week, although he comes close to a pick and might make a few DraftKings lineups, what? But having said that, I expect him to be popular where he's priced in DraftKings. Then, I feel that I feel that he will be popular with many, but he's not going to be for me. Um, and the same can be said for Austin Cook, who twelve months ago was very hot on people's radars for DraftKings for outrights. He was going off at sixty-six to one to win some tournaments on the back of his victory early season. Uh, he's had an injury, come back into the game, not uh, got up to the levels that he was showing 12 months prior. But that's the reason that he's priced at 125 to 1 on the uh, sports books and even greater on the exchange here. Um, I feel that he's a player that when par 4 performances he was really excelling on. It's a stat this week that I think is going to be really important to success. So. I I could see myself adding him to my portfolio closer to the off, um, and I certainly wouldn't put people off him. Which brings me to a player that definitely will be part of my portfolio selection, and is also a big part of my DraftKings lineup this week. J T Poston, so he's at two hundred and fifty to one on the sports books and four hundred to one plus on the exchanges, five hundred to one plus. Um, which is ridiculously big. And I want to just tell you why I'm interested in him. Um, his bogey avoidance stats uh, are good. Earlier on in the season, so that's something that I, I will value this week. Earlier on in the season, when the scoring uh, at the tournaments is low, he was showing, uh, he was on the leaderboards, the top 10 leaderboards quite often. Although maybe not as prolific a birdie maker as I would like and as some of his uh, peers, his attitude, um, his attributes to save and avoid bogeys, and alongside a lot, you know, combining that with his with his great attitude and his undoubted skill skill set, I feel that he's capable of a top top eight, um, you know, a distance eighth, five, six, seven, eight shots off the lead, a distance eighth is fine. It pays the same as a close second, and I think he's got that in his. Um, I've got. I think he's got that in his locker, and um, so, at two hundred and fifty to one, getting like seventy five to one a place at quarter the odds with some of the bookmakers six places. I, I just, I just feel that I will have to play him, and um, he'll he'll be You know, he'll be on hardly anyone's radar. I would imagine him to be less than one percent owned in DraftKings lineups, and um, but he's a player with a lot of potential upside and not much downside at such a price. So, 
let's uh, let's move on to the DraftKings um section of this podcast. Um, what I'm going to do here is could cover off, and it will be the same each week. Where I feel there are some overbets and players to avoid, where they're obviously going to be popular by the market, we all know that, but um, why I think that we we can avoid them and maybe hold on to, hold on for one more time, um, so to speak, and then I'm going to look to uh, uncover some hidden gems, some players that I think you know they might be obvious, but you know they might be underplayed or. Um, they they aren't so obvious and they could be the difference between you taking down a big uh twenty thousand entrant tournament. So um players to avoid for me this week. Paul Casey, Bryson DeChambeau. Reasons being the game's not on, Bryson's working on things, Paul's way too short and be way too popular, comes up great on the stats models, got good historic performance uh, at the course, which will mean lots of people will, will build into him. And um, and that's not for me. That's where I want to avoid that. I want to completely go against, contrary to the field and avoid him completely. So he won't be making any of my lineups. Ryan Moore, again, going to be popular, got good past performance at the course, but his putting stats and all-round game isn't where I feel it has been at other times in his career when uh, he's turned up and delivered. So they're players in the you know eight thousand nine thousand range. These are all going to be popular with all of the uh, all of the DraftKings community, and I'm telling you, stay away. Top of that list, Jordan Spieth, like ten thousand seven hundred he is on DraftKings this week. Like he's just an auto no bet, an auto lay for me, um, in every way, shape, or form. Uh, Patrick Reed. And Jason Cockra, again, as I've probably covered off in 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 the betting review section, but the they're players whose reputations are are, are strong. Um, that the media, um, that you know that they talk about regularly. Um, you know when will Cockcroft get his first PGA Tour win? He's priced eight thousand three hundred, right? He's priced eight thousand three hundred, and you've got people like I don't know. I've said avoid him. Ryan Moore eight thousand one hundred. Patrick Reed eight thousand five hundred. Uh, like Patrick Reed won the Masters, played in Ryder Cups, and uh, um, and won numerous PGA Tour events, and he's the same price as Jason Cockcroft. Like, so I'm saying avoid both, but that gives you a feel for for, for how much the whole betting and golf community overrates Jason Cockrell. So stay away. That's my advice. Right. Most importantly, last but not least, how are we going to win the big uh, $50,000 uh, and $100,000 payouts from DraftKings by taking down a big uh, a big tournament? Well, we're going to do it by uh, by finding, finding some hidden gems in the field. So as I've touched on in my uh, betting overview preview, players that uh, I feel are underrated by the DraftKings community this week into, and will go under-owned, which is very important. Abraham Answer available at $7,400. Um, plenty of upside for me, um, and I think that there's plenty of competition in this price range for him to go under-owned, um, uh, and he's a player that I want involved in many of my teams. Harold Varner III, um Plenty of good stats on his side. Again, will be under-owned. Not had some great performances recently, but this is the type of course that I think will suit him. And at 7,100, I'd encourage you to consider him closely. A player here that many of you will never have even heard of, Roger Sloan. When I run all the stats models that I'm interested in uh, recently, his name just pops up every now and again. Like he, He's not going to be winning the tournament, but at 6,200 on DraftKings, if he's able to finish in the top 30, top 40, that's going to give you plenty of upside and allow you to build in some of these players that are naturally going to perform and pick up 80, 90, 100 points, such as your Kepkas and your Justin Thomases. But everyone's going to have them. And what you need to do to win these big tournaments is you need to have a core potentially... They're a lot so like over own the players that are popular so that when they do do well you own even more of the field or you need to be completely avoiding them and going contrary to uh, popular belief 
and, and finding players that hardly anyone's touching upon. And in Roger Sloan, we have a player that fits that mould. And so too do we have in Bud Corley and Bo Hosler. Um, two players, again, that you know I like to keep on side. I think Bud Corley will eventually uh, come good and, and win a tournament soon at a huge price. I think he's just got an all-round good game. And certainly on these shorter layouts, it helps massively. And the same can be said for Bo Hosler, who, going back to... Probably 12, 18 months ago now, finished runner-up in a playoff against Ian Poulter. And um, was it a playoff or coming down the stretch? I can't recall without looking, but it. I think it was a playoff. It was a playoff, and he chunked the ball in the sand um, and was completely out of the hole. Like I think he ended up scoring seven and... Polter had three putts from or four putts from twelve feet to win, and he did. But he he's an underrated golfer. He isn't the prettiest. He's a big guy. Looks like he like he like he shouldn't be playing golf, quite frankly. And and all these things mean that people underrate him, and um, and the market underrates him. So I like that. Um, and then so two players that uh, are very popular, but I still feel might just go under the radar this week. Brant Snedeker, he's been popular for the US Open, the PGA, the Masters, and more, like every tournament he's been entered into recently. He's not performed, and this is the week he's going to perform. So get Brant in your lineups. He's going to put them to death. He's going to iron them to death. And the same can be said with Mark Leishman, um, who's available at 9,100, uh, less, less than Paul Casey, less than Bryson DeChambeau, less than Jordan Spieth, and has more chance of winning. So that's it for me today. Um, I'll be bringing you a review at the 36-hole st stage of the tournament where I'll be covering off some halfway bets um, for the outrights, potentially top 10 and top 20 markets that will be available, and also the two ball markets going into day three. And then on day four, I will bring you another episode early morning before the start of play um, with my thoughts on that as I have done previously. So don't forget to subscribe and like on Apple and on uh, Anchor FM, please, all the... Uh, likes and shares help this get some attention uh, we are only starting off and we hope that we're bringing you some insightful uh, comments on on the golf and we'll be doing so on other sports for sure uh, in the near future where we actually have more data and more information to share with you but as for the golf please sign up to gingerbets.com on youtube instagram uh, Twitter and give us a follow and subscribe. It's much appreciated and will help the help us grow and bring you more um, great insights to help you take down the big tournaments in the fantasy uh, betting community and also take down the bookmakers here in the UK and in the US on the outrights and prop bets market. So thank you for listening. Um, hope you've enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to give a share and a like and uh, we'll speak to you in a couple of days time. Thank you.